Well, welcome to TSA Destiny Lore Chat. I am Elamist. This is Hyven. And today we have a guest. Starring Mrs. Hyven today. Yay. Oh, You're probably going to be a regular. Uh, <laughs> let's yeah. just be honest. Right? That's true. Unless we're, if, if I'm bugging Hyven late, enough maybe. or if I'm uh, not asleep. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, this is episode three, recorded on November 10th, 2018. And today we're covering ghost stories. It's going to be a part one because there's a lot of different lore entries for ghost like stories. 22, 23 or something crazy. Yeah, I think it's 23 because it doesn't evenly come out to, to 24 yeah, or 21. Um, and the, the reason I'm, I'm saying 24 or 21 is because we're breaking this topic up into three different episodes. Tonight's episode is actually going to be all the different somber cards. They are kind of sad or they're dark. And we're, we're pretty much going to be balancing it out in the coming weeks. And then you can look forward to a little relief with some comedy. And then we'll finish off with some of the little bit more serious ones. But we figured we'd get the darkest cards out of the way. Because, uh, well, they're actually pretty intense. And it's definitely got a more of a darker tone. I know a lot of people are probably used to, you know, more lighter from Destiny. They have totally been going down some of the darker paths for sure with, you know, this recent DLC. And but for a long phenomenal. time it was mostly just it is great, but you know, it's it took a little while for them to build to that. There's always been a lot of um, background lore that had a lot of emotion, but if you've only really done it at the surface, you just know dancing guardians, cade cracking jokes and that kind of <laughs> stuff. So this will give us a a different feel for individual guardians' relationships, specifically with their ghosts, and how the ghosts have personalities and actually can make choices, if you didn't know, your jo your ghost chooses to stay with you. So, that'd be quite interesting. Yep. Alright, uh, so do we want to just jump right in? That sounds good. Alright, so let us go ahead then and start with our first card, which is Chosen's Choice. Mrs. Hyven, would you want to start or should I? No, Elemis um... is going to be third. Why don't you go ahead, set the tone, that way I get a feel for the second one, since this is my first time doing this. Alright, so, the Chosen's Choice. She focuses herself to resurrect him once more. Only this time, she hesitates. She looks around, taking in the human carnage surrounding her. She thinks back to their arrival into this village, how its population lauded him and showered him with gifts, begged him to stay, to defend them, to keep them safe. At first, he seemed reluctant, but the longer he remained and the more fallen he slew, the more they praised him. That praise emboldened him, grew expectant, addicted to their exaltations and gifts. The more he consumed, the more the village's resources dwindled. He led expeditions to take from others. No warning, no diplomacy. He showed this might as one of the risen and demanded that he be lauded as a savior. Those he once protected now died under his charge, and they venerated him all the more for it. As much as she tried to guide him back into the light and remind him why he was chosen, he could not hear her over the adulations of his newfound vassals. Resurrection after resurrection, his legend flourished while the dead remained dead. He grew ever more covetous and unforgiving. He stopped learning from his losses and came to feel entitled to his immortality. One winter night, clad in golden armor, he made war on a seaside settlement of fishers and spiritualists. Not a man 
woman, or child survived. Flushed with the high of easy victory, he and his followers were ill-prepared for the fallen war party that had been stalking them the last few moons. It was a massacre atop a massacre, and only he, one of the risen, would walk away from this. She looks away from the human carnage surrounding her, looks down upon the one she chose, his golden armor dulled with the blood of his victims, and his adorners still reflects back to her light and of her single eye. He made his choice, and thus so will she. So she turns her eye away from him, away from herself, and floats eastward towards the rising light. So, thoughts and feelings. Dang. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't remember hearing that one when we were listening since maybe it was a little earlier on, but you know, just like you were saying, the ghosts make a choice to, or have the ability to make choices. That's not something I was aware of. Yeah, this is one of my favorite cards. It's less to choose to leave their guardian. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, and yeah, I'm likening it to the shadows of your, you know, yeah. the shadows of your, they gladly kill their own ghosts so that they have one last life. But this is more of like the ghost deciding. So, I mean, it's similar, yeah. but it's on the the opposite side of that coin. Yeah. We do have, I, mean, I was just going to say, we do have examples in the lore of ghosts basically being sent away by their guardian also. But this is these are some of the first cards where we see the ghost's perspective. You know, we kind of do like this guardian it kind of goes to our head we can just do whatever we want we can die um you know some more than others but um <laughs> we take for granted the fact that our ghost is our closest companion and if we are not doing what the ghost feels is proper because we have to acknowledge that the ghosts come from the traveler they had a purpose when they were created and it's not to just become power hungry warlords this is one of my favorite cards because it just shows how I don't know, just like the despair this ghost felt at seeing its risen, causing so much death. And yeah, the, I mean, like... she entrusted him with like a special gift and he just abused it and it almost sounds like he didn't even really appreciate her anymore for having given right. it to him. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't his. He acted like the immortality was his, but it was never actually his choice, really. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... And actually, yeah. Hyphen, I'm glad you worded your response that way because this was all before the actual city age you know it's talking about a village yeah. so the last city wasn't a thing yet yeah the fact that she refers to him as risen i do believe i just read and not as guardian yes it says and only he one of the risen would walk away from this so as we know our characters as guardians that term comes about because when the city was established the guardians, the ones we are now, have the job of guarding civilization and people. But the actual term for just people resed by ghosts were just called Risen. Uh, in fact, the early days, there were the warlords, and there were people who, you know, I mean, when you think about now, if you just had the power to never die, there would be a portion of people who would use it for good. There would be plenty of people who used that for selfish gain. And that was a lot of what was happening in the early time. And mm -hmm. honestly, we're probably going to be covering that in... An Iron Lords episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, a big one. We're, that directly yeah. ties to it. Exactly. All right, so, well, anything else to add? That covers kind of my thoughts. Definitely one of my favorite cards, but 
Pretty straightforward. Oh, I'm good. Oh, definitely leaves that somber feel. Let's go in for some more. <laughs> yeah, let's go in for some more somber then. All right there, Mrs. Hyman, would you like to read No Res for the Weary for us then? Yes, I shall. All right. So, my guardian is immortal. My guardian is forever lost to me. He boarded the derelict almighty with his fire team, hoping to salvage cabal secrets from the star murderer. I should have seen the trap. Was it cabal? Was it some vex infection from mercury? I don't know. It's all my fault. I remember how the moment of activation felt like falling. He lunged for the center, crying out to his friends, I'll disarm it. He is still lunging. Fly to the Almighty and you will find him there. Caught in the amber of slow time, reaching forever. I have observed his motions carefully. He will arrive at the mechanism and deactivate the trap in only a little more than 50,000 years. I cannot resurrect him. I have tried so hard. The city's warlocks and Thontanots answered all my desperate questions, even when I began to ask if he could be destroyed. At least if he were gone, unmade, then I could make him again. Why can't I bring him back? If a guardian falls into Titan's methane sea, they do not die instantly. We can still bring them back on the archaeology. If a guardian hurls himself off their ship into space, do we need to wait for them to disintegrate in the solar wind before we bring them back? No. No. It was never hard before. I see him right there, and he seems so close. All I was ever meant to be was his ghost. But all ghosts know there are places where we cannot bring our guardians back to life. And this is one of them. Why? Is the darkness gathered against us here? Is the light too weak? I think I know why. Some share my theory. What do we do when we bring our guardians back? What is the magical heart of the process? Are we like the city's probability kilns, twisting the quantum vacuum in our favor to yield matter? Perhaps. Perhaps. But certain members of a cult I shall not directly name have their own specific interpretations of the process. When you bring him back, they told me, you must have a template, an image to provide you with the information you need. Where do you find that template? Simply in a neighboring timeline, a place where he is still alive and intact. And wherever there is great danger, wherever the probability of death is too high, then those timelines become scarce and hard to reach. And so, you find the zones where guardians cannot easily be remade. If this is true, then I am doomed and free. There will be no alternative worlds in, my, in which my guardian escapes that trap. There will be no hope of resurrection. I will be a ghost, alone. But the thought haunts me that I might be wrong, and that he is still waiting for me. That one, like, it almost puts me into tears. And that yeah, I remember hearing it. For the first time in the car, maybe <laughs> two weeks ago, and I was just like, "Dang!" Man. Right? Like, there's just it, a lot of And it's such a contrast from the first one we just read. You know, the first one that that ghost is so disappointed, and almost is like it can no longer look on its well, in this case, risen. You know, but in, instead, in this one, there's just that bond you can feel in the words, and that tragedy and losing what felt like you know their partner. 
The worst part is the fact that it wasn't like he died. It's literally like, imagine a close friend being trapped in a block of ice. Yeah. They're alive. And she says, you know, you can go there and you see You can't him. do anything about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, and he technically, she, uh, the ghost could get to him in 50,000 years, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen by that. Yeah, so that's pretty yeah. rough. I mean, she's got no idea, like, you know, what am I, what am I going to get to him with the conditions like, you know, yeah. she has no idea what's going to be going on. Then she has no idea if it's going to be safe for him. Right. And like one of the uh, big points that I appreciate about this is, oh, here, go ahead, Lomas. Oh, I was just about to say, like, the one thing that gets me is the fact that some ghosts go forever without finding their guardian. This ghost had found yeah. its guardian. And, like, the ghost didn't ask for its guardian to be that heroic you know to to save the entire solar system so it, it's, it's just... like finding something you had been looking at forever and then misplacing it yeah <laughs> ghost lost their keys in the most disturbing way possible it's like locking your keys inside the car and not being able to break mm -hmm. a window or jimmy it open or anything yeah, you can right. see it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's just, it's so, it's it's frustrating, you know? I mean, this ghost search for a long time, you know, they're trying to find just the right person to give, you know, this gift to, because as we can see in that other card, clearly there's an abuse of power associated with it. So you want to find just the right person who's going to use it in the right ways. And I mean, this and guy went above and beyond and sacrificed himself in a way where she can't even bring him back. Yeah, And that's, we'll go into that in some of the more cards, but that is the reason ghosts look for so long. They are looking for a specific um, guardian to kind of match them. We don't know specifically what they look for. They look for very specific things. So that's why Elemis mentioned some ghosts never find their guardian because they just don't find the right, like, fit. And the crazy thing is, you know, some ghosts, we find out, make a mistake, and they choose the wrong guardian. So this is interesting that this ghost found the right one, but just kind of kind of lost out. So... Definitely rough. But uh, one yeah. other point that I wanted to add to this card is not just that feel, but we actually get a little bit of information. So the cult that shall not be named, <laughs> yes. Future War Cult, I mean. Future War Cult is one of the factions that we're all familiar with, but you might not be familiar with the uh, how much they work with other timelines and trying to go between timelines and messing with time. Um. So they have a very interesting aspect on how the ghosts actually res us, which I found very important and also leads to some interesting thoughts. So I like the idea that it brings out that when a guardian or a risen is resed, the ghost basically pulls a like living version or representation of them from another timeline. And I like how the more dangerous an area is, the less probabilities that they survive. So those timelines diminish until... Unfortunately, there's occasional ones where there are, is no survival, which takes me to the darkness zones. You think of I, the darkness I, I zones in, that. In, in raids or in strikes and stuff. They're always usually the hardest portions, especially when you get into raids because there's some other principles that uh, counter us from being a res. But yeah, it, it is once again the lore leading into an in-game mechanic. And I always just yeah. love that. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you find out that the ghost doesn't even understand the process that it's doing. You know, I think anybody that ghosts, would understand it would be the ghost. Ghosts almost know, they know as about as much 
of the traveler as we do, which is crazy. But right, well, and actually, that that whole we should... other timelines thing that brings up an mm -hmm. interesting thought for me. That guardian in every single other timeline is lunging for that bomb. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's so what there I was is, trying to think too. So there are very little timelines where he's safe and sound, if there are any at all. That's but again, it shows too. how yeah, like amazing cool. that guardian is because it doesn't matter in any timeline. He showed that cour courageous, you know, spirit that possibly is what made sure. that ghost pick him in the first place. That's true. That this is an accident. that, that would, good. He would have jumped every time, and because the circumstances are so odd. There was no one time he lands and survives. This was a, he's always going to be floating into space because that is just the laws of physics when you accidentally slip into space. Uh, yeah, that's very, very interesting. So that's just a cool thought on how we have darkness zones in the game and why there are places where we cannot be resed. I like cool. that. I think but once again, that's, that's also really just cool. a theory. That's just one of the future Warcalls theories. We don't know, but they have the most experience in time travel, so... I'm going to I'm going to trust him on this one. <laughs> Definitely. That brings us to Confession of Hope part 1. These are some good cards here. Part 1 and part 2. Mm, for yeah. real. The choice haunts me. It was not reasoned. I let emotion get the better of me. The fallen had moved on. The few survivors were huddled close in the dark of a cave, muffling their heavy, quick breaths stifling their sobbing when i found them many nights before i also found renewed purpose i had traveled these dead and dying worlds for longer than i cared to remember all the while in search of a spark worthy of ignition over time i'd grown weary but in the small band of survivors i found hope if i couldn't find a lost soul worthy to be touched by the light then i would find another way a smaller way to be of service. I would lead this small gathering of desperate men, women, and a single child to the growing sanctuary beneath the Traveler. If I could not find a hero to challenge the darkness, I would be a guide to those in need of salvation. It took some time to gain their trust. I was awed. Other. They thought I was an angel. I told them I was not. They named me Tianshi. I did not object. The child marveled at me, still too young to speak, much less comprehend. He had a presence that was a burden and a boon. His parents did all they could to nurture him, protect him with the aid, comfort, and care of their traveling companions, once strangers, now bound deeper than blood by their shared experience in this new life after the end of the world. On that day, in that cave, Huddled in fear as the fallen skiff's roar faded over the tree line, the mother wailed, a sound I had never before heard and hoped never to hear again. Such pain, such sorrow, grief, suffering loss. Her cry echoed through the forest, her husband, weeping and on the edge of breaking down, simply held her, and the dead child in her arms. The others tried to calm them, out of fear of, that the fallen would, would return. The attack had been swift and brutal. Twenty dead, only nine survivors, here in this cave. I watched the tree line, anxious and afraid. 
The mother's pain filled the space between the thick trees. I turned back to her and saw it for the first time. The child's spark. Faint, but there. This little boy was not my charge. Those selected to return were champions. This child was so small, so frail. What devotion had he shown? What bravery? What did he sacrifice? But a thought lingered. Was it not my purest purpose to deliver hope? Every hero raised fought not for themselves, but for the whole of humanity. If saving one life, if redressing this one terrible loss, was not a worthy cause, what was? I watched the mother as she cried. I felt myself expand, felt the light that was me intensify. In a way, it was outside of my control, as if something had reached inside of me and flipped a switch. A beam erupted from my core and bathed with light the child's small, broken body. A second passed, and he began to cry. All fell silent. The traveler's gift had been given. A child returned, and with him the beginning of my journey's end. Did I do the right thing? Would the child grow to reach his peak physical self? Would he, like all return, be ready for the wars to come? But then a thought came over me, one I had never before considered. Maybe death would have been better. Had I saved the child, or doomed him? As his cries echoed, the survivors looked on in shock. There was joy in their silence, wonder. I looked down on him, and pride began to well inside of me. I had done what was right, but that was then, only months ago, but long enough to seem a lifetime. Now the fallen are back, and we are running, and I fear the promise of a gift given is far from enough to save us from a pirate's blade. Fragment of the last transmission from an unknown ghost. Oh yeah. Ooh. There's a... There's a lot of things that could be picked apart in this card, um, some of which we won't go into too de too much detail, uh, because we don't necessarily have fact, but there are just little details about this card that add to a broader story, as we'll go into. Uh, but I guess yeah, maybe we'll let's just start with, with uh, the next one. Yeah, exactly. But I guess maybe we start over just kind of our thoughts on this card by itself. What do you think, there, Mrs. Hyman? I know you've heard this before, know. but I yeah. don't know if you remember This it. is the one, like, you know, Elemis said the last one kind of makes him, you know, teary, but, like, this is the one that I, I just, I, like, I feel it, you know? And, I mean, Elemis, good job on the reading. Like, I just, <laughs> I really can feel that, that, you know, that, that, that yeah. he describes the way the mother screams, you know, and it's something that this ghost, you know, ghosts are, are in the thick of it. Ghosts probably see some of the most brutal stuff but this scream of this mother was one of the worst things that it ever heard like i mean that just tells me how gut-wrenching it must have sounded and and it just it hits me like that i feel that yeah i just thought imagine yourself in the situation they're in a precarious situation the fallen have killed this boy and they've barely managed to escape they're still not safe so they are trying to stay quiet as to not be found, but you have this mother screaming in anguish, you know, the father trying to comfort her, everyone else trying to comfort her in the small group, but also not wanting to be killed themselves, trying to calm them. 
and this ghost that knows it has the power to bring this, well, didn't at first, that was another point, the whole spark that it noticed, but this ghost just witnessing all this, being the only one who had this power, and it doesn't sound as if these people had no idea this ghost could do yeah. this. Uh, yeah. It, they just thought it was going to guide them somewhere. It talk, He talks, or she, Hyanchi, the unnamed ghost that has some sort of name, discusses how it took a while for it to find trust with these people. Um, and its goal was just to lead them to some safety, never even really doing what you expect a ghost to do. It, it gave up on Which... finding its guardian. Yeah, which in and of itself is still very noble of this ghost, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah. Yeah. And then That's the crazy. other part is just I like how it mentions that all of a sudden uh, it I noticed think, a I spark. I think I know where you're going. The fact that it saw the kid's spark, and like exactly, the resurrection of the kid was out of the ghost's hands. Yeah, you know, talking yeah. about choices and the ghosts, you know, being able to make them and this being one of probably the biggest, most important choices that a ghost gets to make. And for this ghost, in fact, it was almost like it just came spewing out of him. Yeah. yeah. It was I like the ghost didn't have a choice, like the traveler almost yeah. like picked this kid is how it feels to me. Yeah, that was my thought. Did the traveler somehow have some power over this ghost? Or was this just so much that this was the ghost was meant to do that it's just like, you know, even as, as humans, you think of, you just do things on reflex sometimes. Like heroes, you hear the stories of like people who jump in front of like, you know, cars to save someone or like onto train tracks and they kind of just say they had to. I mean, it kind of just made me think of that also. So that was one thing I wasn't sure, you know, is the, did the traveler intervene on this or was this just the ghost? This, you know, it had it almost had no choice in the sense that it, it knew it had to save this kid. But uh, just also the fact, I, I just really like kind of dwelled on that fact that it just it noticed his spark. Is that what the the ghost look for? A spark? Are they able to res anyone or only specific people? Because as we find, all existence has light, but guardians risen just have a higher quantity of this light or this power. Um, so the ghosts are looking for something in them. So this is a very interesting card. Um, I'm sure nobody well, really thought about children being guardians, uh, but this is really, really different. Well, and in that respect, I mean, you're talking about, you know, it, the ghost noticing the kid's lot, you know, spark. Well, who's the way I, I kind of view the relationship between ghost and the person that they first resurrect, because Mm -hmm. Ghosts only have that one full resurrection. Yeah, the one After initial that, res. Yeah. Yeah. After that, it's oh, you're my guardian. I'll just res you. Um, but they only have that one initial resurrection, and it, I just kind of see it as like, kind of the the ghost and guardian being soulmates, kind of. But like. Yeah. Well, no. It does sound like they look for that. But it's yeah. like that's kind of how it felt to me in the last card, too. You know, the whole saying, you know, when you were talking about that ghost, some ghost just not finding a guardian, you that saying better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. But I mean, you know, obviously I'm doing this podcast with my husband right now. And quite frankly, I don't I don't know if I would 
yeah, maybe if we had a nice, long, fulfilling life and then he died, but if he died tomorrow, would that love that I've had for this little bit of time be better than the pain of, or, you know, losing that be, be more worth than the pain of having to live the rest of my life without him, you know, and that's kind of like how I feel when I think about these ghosts who just choose not to pick anyone at all, almost saving themselves. Yeah, they don't find the, and you know, that's similar to the, (laughs) you know, it is, but you know, and also part of it's just not finding that, you know, that right person as a, as this guardian, I mean, as this ghost brought out, this child had, it had never done anything of, you know, it was not a champion. Like the kid fought the darkness. Yeah, the kid was basically helpless and it has, as Elena said, ghosts will find out can kind of. It seems transition to other risen and res them, but they can only res somebody making them a risen once. Each ghost does this once. So this ghost, after doing this, was never guaranteed to never have a guardian. Unless they yeah, transition they to took, one. Yeah. Yeah, unless they transition to an existing guardian. But I also just kind of, this card, it just seemed like the ghost wasn't like, oh, well, let me just take this kid now and train him to be my guardian like i just like that this ghost had accepted that it was not going to find its guardian and it was just trying to get this group to safety and at this point it really didn't care so that's just very different for a ghost they're usually very like you know our ghost is just kind of like kind of obnoxious sometimes just (laughs) one-sided always telling us what to do you know you sometimes forget that these ghosts really are you know they make sacrifices themselves so yeah. Just another reason I like this card by itself. But I figured we should probably get into the second half. Yeah. Because uh, the story well continues. Kind of goes together. <laughs> All right, then. I believe there, Mrs. Hyman. It's Hyman. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. I'm I see. You told me. What did I tell you, Elmas? You told me I was going to do the order. Yeah, you told me. Told you, you he was going to do it. <laughs> Look, I just know that Elmas is third because he has a card he wants to read, but we can interchange. No. Okay. No, I will gladly read <laughs> Confession of Hope, part two. Out here in the wilds, survival depends heavily on our, your ability to elude fallen patrols. Everything else, every other danger, is secondary. Exposure, exposure, starvation, hungry beast, crazed bandits, all can be assessed and managed. But fallen, these vicious pirates, they hunt and kill not only for their own survival, but for sport. They relish the slaughter. I was guiding our ragtag group through dense woods, with a child to carry and many survivors wounded, we didn't move quickly enough. We've been spotted a few miles back. The attack was swift, violent. The child's mother fell almost immediately. His father foolishly, but maybe it's best to imagine he was brave, let his grief and fear get the better of him. He ran to her aid, but there was none to give. Now he is gone as well, two parents dead, one orphan child gifted in ways he can't yet understand. Others grabbed the infant and fled. He cried, confused, frightened. They muzzled his fear and made for the thick of the forest. I followed. The child was mine to protect. I could. I had no choice but to stay with him. And yet, here I am. This hasty dictation is meant to give some insight, if needed, into my choice, into my moment of weakness that led to a child reborn. I'm recounting as I flee. Some mind the clip nature, this truncated plea for understanding and a brief history of what happened here. 
I will send this message on signal to any ghost who may hear. The fallen are on me. I have run from the pack to lead them away. Should I survive, I will return to the child. Shall I fall, it will be left to others to raise and will ever have only the one second life to give. I left him in the care of a terrified man and woman. But they are smart and caring. They have courage, but know when to run, when to survive. They will stay hidden until the fallen are away, my light serving as a distraction to lure them as far from the humans as I can. I made my presence known to the pirates and darted from the last survivors, made myself a target to buy them time. The time is short. Fallen are close now, and closing. I can hear the bark of their war cries. I can feel the spark of their blades. They've long since learned that to kill one like me is a future problem solved. I am not sorry for the choice I made. The child gave hope, though fleeting. What comes next for him is unknown. But there is promise in him, should he find sanctuary, should he find guidance. This is not a confession. This is my hope. This is my fragment of the last transmission from an unknown ghost. Yeah, that ghost didn't even get to finish its thought. Yeah, so we are listening to the final message of this ghost. And he says he's just broadcasting this to anyone who can get it. Yeah. yeah. That's... Uh, I am going to be in tears I do appreciate the, the night. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I appreciate, though, that this ghost... It it still considered this child its charge. You know, it made the decision to try to save everyone, but it was trying to save the child. Um, and I appreciate it. I appreciate that it was trying to save him and all the people, not just only him. It wasn't, let me use these people as a distraction and save my future guardian. But it made the choice to leave the kid and at this moment in time try to be a distraction. If it survived, it claimed it would go back. And as we see... Well, it doesn't. As we know, this is the last transmission from an unknown ghost. As far as we know, the uh, this ghost never survived. Um, but because the fallen specifically, as you see, Spider, as we just talked about, he is twiddling a ghost around in the Tangled Shore. Fallen have a fascination with ghosts just due to the fact that they come from the Traveler. He didn't know the fallen used to have the light of the Traveler on them. Uh, but also, as it mentions, the fallen know that if they kill this ghost... It's one less risen to worry about. So, uh, ghosts, and also as we see in Forsaken, are sought after by the Fallen and the Scorn as something to take out. They're, our enemies are are smart. You know, for a long time, I think I personally just didn't think that our ghosts could really die. And it wasn't until some of these cards, or uh, you know, unfortunately, seeing what happened to Cade, that we find out they're just as vulnerable as any person. They just can hide. Yep. Yeah. They hide in your backpack. That's right. <laughs> Along with your crucible team sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's Flamin. He's uh, I, I like to ride in his backpack. <laughs> but anyway, um yeah. So as we mentioned, this has some tie-ins to a future guardian. Uh did you want to cover that briefly for us, Elmist? Uh so you know, that's a whole other podcast, but this is all spin foil. There's nothing actually confirmed, yeah. but I choose to believe I that the like, boy and some in the community do also. If you ask me. Uh, what was that, Mrs. Hyper? But personally, I find it to be mind blowing spin foil, so I want it to be true. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm in the same boat with you. <laughs> like, 
So what we're getting at is the fact that some of us have a theory that the boy is the renegade hunter who we talked about in the Drifter episode. Um, he's the one who's hunting all the Shadows of Yore using Gambit as a trap. Um, he had other dealings with Dark Guardians and it, he brings hope. You know, it, it it's a dark and gritty story, but there's hope. This and would be he, the perfect start to his story. It would. And it would totally give us a good reason why his mentor's ghost would was transitioned to him because he already had that spark. He was already rezzed once as a kid. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And and we plan to make a whole episode about the story of this renegade hunter um, and some of the dealings. But yeah, just, just you know, basically we hear his story, the one that we know is his life, being a young boy in the lawless frontier, always worried about Fallen. Um, the cards mention that he is with his second set of parents. Um, he calls the guardian, who he eventually becomes his mentor, as his third father. Um, you know, we have in this card a boy living on the outskirts, running from Fallen. Parents just died with a second group of parents. And this renegade hunter eventually goes off with this guardian. And it mentions that his ghost takes special interest in him, always looking at him. The guardian takes special interest in him. And when this guardian dies, eventually his ghost goes to the renegade hunter, goes to Shin. And up till this point, everyone in the community has said, well, this is, how is this possible? Guardians only get ghosts. They, they're, always, they're always dead. Ghosts always res someone for the first time. And so people always wonder, did Shin die at some point? Now we have the story of this young boy who died and is ghostless. So it just kind of, there's just little facts that tie in. It's not completely spinful. I would say there's a little breadcrumbs that totally kind of like, point. So there's nothing confirmed about it? too much. Yeah, there's nothing confirmed about it, but <laughs> the pieces fit really nice. Yeah, real nice. <laughs> Right? Like, nobody's smashing the puzzle pieces together here. They're clicking in pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that is going to be, that'll be really interesting when we go over the uh, Dredging Your Jaren Ward Shen Malfur story, the Dwindler's Ridge saga. Oh, but God, yes. One day we will get to that. That is one of the few stories that we kind of have an end to, in a way. Um, but uh, that one's pretty exciting. But that'll be a multi part episode in itself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we still got a couple more cards, I guess, unless there's something else to add. We should probably move on. Mm-hmm. So, Mrs. Hyben. All right. So let's... You've got from me. Fallen Ground. This one's... Yeah. Now I'm going to be completely honest before we jump into this one. I've uh, previewed it just really? a hair here. And before I just make a fool of myself... Elixney. How do we pronounce... All right. That one and... Uh... Archon. And is that Archon? Okay, yeah. I didn't know if that R was pronounced or. <laughs> no Archon. words you were going to be confused with. Right? <laughs> I love how we knew. I just. Yeah, I love that you didn't have to make me even attempt to pronounce them because you knew. So, just so you know, <laughs> the Fallen are Elixney. We call them Fallen, but their actual race name is Elixney. They have Elixney. fallen from grace because the traveler used to be with them and it ran away. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So, with all of that said, 
so I don't sound stupid, let's move on. <laughs> All right. It says, I am quiet. I am not here. The fallen cannot see me. They cannot know me. I am not a shadow, but I move among them, silent, deliberative motion, and intent as when I entered their hollow one month prior. I used the light of day to mask my own, because the forest here is barren. It's, it's, it's a dead place, to and fro, a constant buzz as the scavengers go about the business of stripping this world of, of its old glories. As I watch, I learn. I record and preserve. Their every movement is my obsession. I hang on their every word. Even though I am not versed in their nightmare tongue, but others are, and they will decipher it. They will find the secrets hidden within. Secrets are like weapons. And I am an instrument of their unmaking. They are enemy. They are cruel. And I will learn and share, and they will be undone. What is that shouting? I am deep now. No telling how far in. I have tracked each meter, mapped every path. But this maze is ever winding, and their cheers now echo, violent with joy. And I hesitate to investigate, as I'm entering unknown corridors, thick with security. Yes, yes, this is a special place, a, a holy place, a mechanized place. And the shouts merge with screams, and the grindings of gears, and the joy joins with pain. There is suffering here. Punishment, uh, uh, a ritual. I must know so we may know. And I move slow, careful. Must not be seen. Cannot be detected. Meter by meter. Anywhere where cover is provided. Quick and with a purpose whenever exposed. I make my way, leaving other avenues unexplored. The cheers must be understood. But eventually, they die, replaced by the harmony of the pirates' busy days and nights. Oh my, how they never rest. Or rather, when they rest, others continue the work, covering scavengers' sorties, sifting through spoils, readying their fleet, their weapons, their worship. The manner in which they revere machines. I should feel safe here. I should be among their gods. Am I a machine? I don't know. I don't know anything. Their worship is not so simple. With the cacophony of excitement no longer echoing, I slow my pace but remain vigilant in my efforts to locate its origin. It is weeks before I do. Weeks before now. A ceremony has just ended, and I am sending out a recollection of what I have seen, because I am seen. These are my final moments. Of this I am sure. The ceremony is combat ritual and fury it is a pit and arena where the lesser and unworthy must prove their value or suffer and die oh how they fight dirty oh how they fight to survive or to thrive in this pit before the eyes of an archon shamed alescni may redeem themselves lesser pirates may improve their station a dreg to a vandal, a vandal to a captain, a captain too. This is their forge, their place of judgment, their trial before their betters. This is 
what we are up against. Kill or die, thrive or perish. They have no use for the weak, and they watch and cheer and scream as their archon looks along. But I have become careless. The fever became a distraction, and now the archon's eyes have found me, and I am too deep to run, and I think he is smiling. The last frantic transmissions of Wren, a brave ghost of the spectral network. This is Archon's Forge. It's an Archon's Forge. Not necessarily yeah. the one we actually fought, but very similar. Yeah. And and that was the first thing that came to my mind when I read it. It's where exactly. the fallen go to prove themselves so that they can jump the ladder of their, their hierarchy. Yeah. I was going to say, it's fitting that um, the person overseeing this is the Archon. If you know the positions, there are three, I guess, power positions. Would be mm -hmm. what the Archon Priest, the, um, I guess, the you know the Prime Servitor, or whatever the main Servitor would be. Not the necessarily a power servitor. position, but it's very, very important. And then, and then finally the are... Um, Yes, the Kel. So you think of the Kel as more of the uh, military leader. The Archon is more of like the, I guess it would be more like the s spiritual leader in a way. Um, yeah. But the Archons are the ones who determine how ether is provided. So the way you move up in standing is not that you necessarily grow larger, but it's that you are allowed to grow. Ether is given to Elixni in order to survive. I remember we talked about... In last week's episode, well, the other week's episode, the Tangled Shore, we talked about uh, dregs that left their kells and their archons because they barely had enough ether to survive. So they're literally fighting in this death match, to practically be given food, so that they are allowed to grow to the rank of vandal and captain and higher. So it's not just a promotion, but they are literally given life in order to grow larger, and that is why we have uh, size differences with Elixni. That's why dregs only have two arms and they're the smallest. Why a captain has all of its arms and are much larger. Because they have to earn their food, in a way. The, the fallen are a direct example of the strongest survive. Yeah. You know, it, it, the strongest of them rise up to become captains and barons and the strongest of the strong are the Archon and the Kel. And it's it's interesting to see that. So what did you think about this there, Mrs. Hyven? Is this new to you? I know you've played against Fallen, but have you ever really paid attention to the names and their sizes? And do you I know not. any of this? That was actually very new to me. Um, you know, the more I learn and the more I'm reading and hearing with you guys, uh, the more fascinated I am, honestly, just by Destiny's creators, to create such in-depth story. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, even earlier we were able to discuss the differences between, you know, the city and the village and what that meant and the difference of being a Risen or a Guardian. Um, you know, they've really been able to develop such a deep um, culture and rich history uh, from this you know, amazing lore of this entire series. So the fact that they're able to not just say, oh, let's create, you know, this enemy, the Fallen, 
you know, because we've already got all these other enemies as well. You know, we've got the Cabal, we've got the Vex. So, you know, we've got enough enemies, but to then go into the enemies and create such detail to them Tears. to separate them yeah. into ranks and then give them a There's story a reason to they explain have that. Um, Same with the Cabal. Yeah, exactly. The Cabal all have ranks for various military exactly you know so it's just the the detail really is just astounding to me there's deep there's so much detail just if you just took one race you could just make so many episodes just off their stories so and and the sad part is bungie kind of gets a bad rep because people don't know about this story because up till forsaken the story was not in the game and there's still tons of story that's not in the game from all of d1 and pre-forsaken information Um, so Shout out to Ishtar Collective. Anyone who wants to learn more, you can get basically any lore card or information at Ishtar Collective. They do a lot of work over there. They do a lot of good work. Now we get to my favorite card out of this bunch. (laughs) Who guards the Guardian? All around me, the pitter-patter of desperate steps. The thump-thump of armor-piercing micro-rockets. The cries and screams that fill in the air. I feel nothing. I am filled with nothing. Just frozen, empty, soulless, lightless. The Red Legion has come and taken it all away. Eventually, the de- desperate steps diminish. For a few minutes, the last city falls silent. Then, the lulled growl of their breathing. The clanking metal of heavy slug throwers against their crimson armor. The tremors of their heavy booted steps as they draw near. Thud, thud, thud. Mortals ask themselves the same question all the time. That question about meaning. About their place in this universe. But we don't. Perhaps at first, as we tried to make sense of the day the Traveler pushed us free from itself. But no, not anymore. We know our purpose. Why we're here. In ancient times, humanity dreamed of gods and heavens and winged protectors that watched over them, kept them safe from uncontrollable and unpredictable harm. In this age, I believe humanity sees that in the Guardians. Yet, when the Guardians meet with trouble, who guards the Guardians? Thud, thud, thud. They're close now. If they think I'm not going to stay by my Guardian's side, to my own bitter end. Even though she's already met hers, they're deathly mistaken. I am meant to do this. My light will return. She needs me. Thud, thud, thud. Those heavy red-booted steps come around the corner. I will not move. We are face to face. I will not abandon her. They raise their weapons. I will not let my purpose go unfulfilled. A rush of light. Can it be? Yes! The light! <laughs> I can bring her back. I can bring... Bang. Mm. Yeah. There's a reason that's oh. my favorite. <laughs> it's just so sad. Please do tell. Well, so like... this. Dude, go- the, the imagery in this, it, this... I mean, it, it makes you feel it. This ghost, I mean, she has her guardian. It's right as the Red War started. So right as the Traveler got trapped and our light got stripped away from us. Mm. So this ghost 
watched its guardian die. Essentially, its final death. You know, her final yeah. death. And the ghost is just floating there like, I can't do anything. And, and like, that pulls in your, on your heartstrings. And then all of a sudden, this is taking place, like, right as we beat Gaul. Yeah. You know, the Traveler awakens. It breaks out of that trap that the Cabal put around it. And then there's that rush of light. And the ghost is like, I can do this. I can bring her back. And then she gets a slug rifle right to the face. And it just, it tears <clears throat> at you. Yeah, and just think back. If you can remember when you played the story. Remember when we lost our light, there's that portion where we're just like wandering and it keeps jumping into like weeks later like a week later you know a couple days weeks you know it keeps going so we know that a huge time passed from when we lost our light to when we finally defeated Gaul and gained it back so if we think about that this ghost has been in the city as we hear it talks about how if I'm not mistaken the last city falls silent so this is a guardian that fell probably in the or original attack on the city this ghost has been hiding and just standing by its guardian for weeks, months, who knows, just waiting, just knowing that there, it, is, it can't be it, that it can get its light back and then it can res its guardian. So if that's not, <laughs> if that's not, love, that's not loyalty, I don't know what, I don't it, know is. what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, imagine someone you love so much, they are basically completely crippled and you're just going to wait there in the most dangerous place that you can know at that moment. And just, when there's nothing you can even do for them, this, this ghost didn't even know if it was going to be a residence guardian again. And it still stayed there. And I just love, it didn't even go hide when these cabal strolled up. It literally stood there, or floated there, and stared them down. So, yeah, for sure. This is definitely a really good card. Yeah, I not to... I love it so much. Yeah, not to... I don't, I don't want my analogy to belittle the card, because I mean this with much love for those who know me, my dogs, my, my world. Um, so it, it makes me think about those stories you hear when the dog loses its master and it's almost lost without it or the dog goes to the grave and lays on its grave every day or maybe sits in its favorite chair every day. You know, that's that's what it kind of yeah. made me think of, like those stories, because those are what pull at my heart. You know, you see them and you're just like, I just want to give it love. And like, that's what this made me think of. Like that, that yeah. ghost just was like, I'm not like, this is my best friend. I am not leaving her side. And it's, it's purpose. It mentions, it mentions that some people wonder what immortals ask themselves. Why are, what's their place in the universe? And this ghost says that it, it knows that for a while it wondered why the traveler had made them. But eventually it realized their purpose was to protect humanity and take care of their guardians. So it's, that was its purpose in life, and it just lost its purpose, and it was just lost. And man, if we just had a shot goal <laughs> a little faster, right, Traveler might have reacted. It was, it was like actually your fault. Literally five there. seconds sooner. You, you, you died a lot. Mine. Yeah, you died a lot. <laughs> yeah. I spent all that time resing you. I could have yeah. just finished well... Gaul. Ellen has mentioned those of us who maybe die a little bit more, and uh, <laughs> I, I laughed because I felt that. Oh, was it you? <laughs> right. I yeah. laughed because I felt it. Elemis, who's played with me recently, knows um, I need the assist for sure. <laughs> You're not as bad as you Mrs. think. Mrs. Hyvin's just new to video games. But yeah, you're really not as bad as you think. 
You're no crucible player, but you do just fine at PvE. I think you guys are just really nice about it, is what it really is. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I do love this card. Yes. Um, next is the Don Quixote card. Uh, if you're familiar with that story, you'll understand this. Uh, this one is titled, Whether Windmills or Cranes. We set out to challenge the unknown, he said. His quest was to become legend, as all of ours is. To slay beasts and conquer terrible lands. His quest was honorable, though in the end misguided. No, not in the end. Much sooner. The flaws in, in his ambition became evident shortly after we crossed the Western Mire. At first, I took his flights of fancy as playful enthusiasm, frivolous, frivolous aggression free of consequence, a means of honing his focus and skill in advance of the dangers to come. But quickly, oh so quickly, I found his mind was not in tune with reality. He was driven, pulled by his imagination. Where any other would see the crippled ruins of an old world crane, the snapped length of its long arm creaking in the breeze, he would see a demon, and in the cunning, cunning, cutting shrill of the swaying metal's cry, he would hear a monster's ravenous shriek. He longed talked of the adventures of his past life. I am an anomaly, he would decree, a lone guardian whose past rings true, whose history is his guide. He spoke about that dead life with such passion and such detail. I not only wanted to believe, I did, but as he charged the crane's age-poked carcass, I knew a truth that had haunted me. Since the carving of the wicked wood, some months gone, it was broken, his mind unsettled, his truths unfettered by fact, unbound by reality. He had named the wood, and he had, and he had the howling hills, the dead man's crevasse, the gorgon's maze, all mundane landscapes marked as hazards to be conquered, enemies to be slain, as as he weaved a mythic tale of his own grand, and as I would find, delusional design. In the hills he slaughtered wolves; he called them hounds of hell. In the crevasse he burned the remains of long dead survivors. He called them foot soldiers of the Necro King. Down in the maze, he covered his tracks that the stone mother would not, could not follow. He did all these things and none, because none of those things were true outside of his fraying mind. The wolves were simply rabid. The bones, no threat beyond a reminder of all we'd lost. The maze, just a canyon. One way in, one way out. A straight shot through. As the crane fell and my guardian issued his killing blow, he laughed and then turned to me. His eyes, I could see he was gone. The one I'd returned all those cycles past, replaced by a hollow shell filled with madness. I do not know what broke him, or if he had ever been whole to begin with, but in that moment, as I spoke, the conquered husk of the dragon of Summer's End, which wasn't really a dragon, but simply a fragile old crane lay defeated in his wake, and I knew I would have to let him go to end his slide into uncontrolled folly. Hans, old man, he started. The dragon is gone, but he yields his treasure to me in a whisper, a secret so dire I must just save us all. 
He leaned closer and said in a hushed voice, as if sharing a confidence, The traveler is no gift. It is a lie. A beacon for death and destruction. Within be dragons, nurtured by our suffering, weaned on our hope. All dragons must die. The shell must be cracked till its yoke drowns with those, with those who worship its deceit. Our last great conquest, the crowning battle of our legend writ large. And then he shouted, For light to endure, the traveler must perish. He was smiling, confident, manic. Two days later, he took a fall while challenging the mountain troll of Gallows Rock. It was a boulder. There was no troll. It crushed him. And though it caused me great pain, still, to this day, I did not return him. How could I? His diseased imagination would surely doom us all. Hansa, lamenting the unfortunate necessity of leaving his guardian to remain unreturned. So, you see, the Don Quixote card. Fighting windmills that are dragons. Cranes. It's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thought. See, see, now, the only thing that comes to my mind, like, who's to say that that was his imagination? So, when you're rev when a guardian is rezzed for the first time, he's rezzed as the best version of himself. You know, the most physically fit, the the best warrior version. Well, who's to say that the best warrior version of this guardian wasn't like he had a mental illness. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, that's that's the, the thing yeah, I, that I keep coming to is the fact that I mean he wasn't right. There was something. Yeah, I mean, that's what I appreciate about it also. Yeah, it, the ghost brings out that maybe he was always like this. You know, and that's an interesting thought. We think that guardians are rezzed into perfection every time. But it sounds as if he never, the case. he never lost this. It said that he started with these crazy stories for so long, the ghost just thought they were true. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I, don't, I find this one quite sad because this guardian... And its mind was just trying to save humanity, going as crazy as saying that the traveler must die. It was so confused. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, and, and I mean, it's, it, it's hard on the guardian because he thought he was doing right. You know, he was protecting humanity, and it's hard on the ghost because he had ultimately had to pull the plug. It's yeah, you know, before he hurt someone other than himself. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. He, he, you know, he was currently in the middle of nowhere fighting inanimate objects. But what if he hadn't made it to a time of the city and he's running through the city just doing who knows what, you know? So I can see totally why the ghost had to make this hard choice. But I'm also curious what would have happened with this guardian. Um, you know, I just noticed little details. Anyone recognize the Gorgon maze? I did. That was like that's a real I place. On. Yeah, it's in the vault of um, glass. A, a yeah, so some of these things are real, uh, real locations. Not in our plane of existence, but in the Vex, the Gorgon's Maze existed. My thinking could be: How do we know this man was not infected in some sort? If he wasn't seen, necessarily his own existence, but you know, I don't know. That one just kind of experiencing another. Yeah, kind of. It just really hit me because, you know, the Gorgon's Maze 
The Gorgons from um, Destiny 1, the original raid, Vault of Glass, Gorgon's Maze was an, an area where you were seen by the Gorgons. They had the power to rewrite existence. So they would just delete you from every timeline as if you had never existed. Yeah. Um, so it was a place that was in its own time, that controlled time. It wasn't an area you just wandered in. Um, so I don't know if... I just, it's just a coincidence that they have the same name. So either somebody knew the story of this uh, guardian and named the Gorgon's Maze after it, or did he come after? Because that would be interesting for me from the timeline, because as far as I know, the only ones who ever went into the Vault of Glass were the original fire team that fell, and then our fire team that ultimately succeeded. Uh, so, yeah, that was just one thing that stuck out to me. The Gorgon's Maze was very interesting point although i mean to be honest it could be just completely a red herring like there is no actual mm -hmm. this guardian never actually went into the vault of glass you know he just started talking about a gorgon's maze and i mean a gorgon is just the fact you know greek yeah. mythology and just basically that's true that it's just just the thought that he even knew what he would have known what a gorgon is i guess is odd but you are right he could have just had you know you i we think about how they had lost all information from the pre golden age but um you know that's not necessarily the case he may have been pulling this name from you said old mythology so that's a good point you know we have to remember that uh, the events of destiny take place in our world just well in the future, so. And, and I was just playing devil's advocate. I mean, I, I yeah, read the Gorgon's true, Maze, true. and my mind immediately went to Vault of Glass. But I, I was looking at it, and I'm like, but the other two names don't, or the other two locations that are mentioned don't have any actual in-game location. Yeah, not that. I, yeah, that's what I was wondering too. I don't say um, that you know of thus far. Yeah, unless yeah, they decide put to shoulders, add it in in a future update. But. but Soldiers of the Necro King sounded just kind of interesting. You know, that the Necro King, um, there's been like little little snippets of things that make us think of some type of necromancer being some type of power of a guardian. Or we have the, uh, what is the exotic? Uh, Not necessarily that. Yeah, that's probably what I'm trying to think, trying to say. So, the you know, Protozen. it's just that that topic is... So, you know, it, I just found it interesting. And then, don't even get yeah. me started, on his final speech, the Traveler is no gift, a beacon of death and destruction with envy dragons. It's just kind of fitting that the Traveler is what led the Hive and all of these races to us. Does that not sound like a beacon of death and destruction with right. envy dragons? <laughs> we, what do we know of dragons in Destiny? We hear about Ahamkara, we hear about worm gods. There are spinfoil theories about what the Nine are, the Nine being linked to the Traveler and to dragons. There's just little odd things in here that just make me think that this Guardian somehow had some glimpse of something that his brain just couldn't process. Yeah. Could be. But yeah, I don't know. You know, because I just think, because in the game, we, we have the Traveler. Uh, we, we have The Traveler kind of is a beacon for other... We do have information about dragons. Dragons are kind of the biggest mystery in Destiny. You know, we refer to Ahamkara as wish dragons. 
Um, I know Ahamkara, a really interesting topic. Um, Ahamkara are linked to possibly linked to possibly worm gods in a way. Um, but yeah, this just was a little. I always like to point. I like to look for some method in the madness. I like to think that he was not completely insane, but in fact, he knew something that we didn't, and he just couldn't process it. No. Yeah. No. No. I. I. I definitely um, think that's an interesting perspective and one that could definitely be played on quite a bit and and talked out, um, because you know there are so many different movies and TV shows where that's kind of a concept. Um, so uh, where the crazy person is not be... really crazy. Yeah. They just you know, can't just process recently... the information. Yeah. 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 I was recently watching a show where this guy ends up being a psych ward patient because basically he lands on a plane and it's five years later, but he was a stowaway on the plane, so he wasn't with all of the other passengers when, you know, the, uh, when, I don't know, the government agencies were basically explaining to them what happened, so he didn't know what was going on, and everyone started to think he was crazy, so he ended up getting basically admitted into a psych ward because, you know, here he is thinking it's, you know, 2013 and doesn't understand what's going on. And so, you know, it's definitely an interesting concept um, to think maybe, yeah, he did just get a glimpse of something he wasn't supposed to see and couldn't fully understand and process. And, and the attempt for his brain to reconcile what he saw kind of just went mad. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is I would have loved to talk to this guardian for a while. Because uh, I just find it interesting. Even the fact, the crazy thought that the traveler must perish for light to endure. And we know that light is existent without the traveler. The traveler is not light. It is a great source of light. Um, and it helps but bring as we out have come the to light, but it doesn't produce. Like, it is not the sole yeah. producer of light. Yeah. Exactly. And as we learn, there is balance between light and dark. Um as Ikora says at one point, that Ulantan was right. He had the thought that in order for light to exist, darkness has to exist in equal form. Um, so if the Traveler, a large piece of light, were gone, well, what in theory would happen to the darkness? The darkness's power would diminish. Maybe the universe would become more even. Um, so I don't know. It's just a crazy thought. But um, I just thought it was a, it's a good thing to end on because it just shows when we're talking about Destiny lore, no matter how much you think you know, there's always, there's always something to go off of. True enough. But I thank you for letting me join, and I would love to continue to read some of these cards, especially these ghost story ones because I do really love them, and I have heard majority of these before. Um, so oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm appreciative that you guys... Um, let me share my perspective. <laughs> and and it's yeah, good having sure. that extra perspective. I mean, Hyven and I play this game all the time, and we're always talking about the lore, and it's nice having someone who isn't actively fresh seeking out the lore as much as Yeah, a yeah. fresh perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I'm biased in most of the things I talk about, unfortunately. It's hard for me to pull away and look at things without the knowledge I already have. So you're really able to see these things fresh, just at a surface level, uh, which can actually be really refreshing at times, because I'll go down a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll okay. totally... I'm, I'm sure both are appreciated. 
All right, then. Well, that'll conclude this week's episode. Um, yep. Our next episode will continue ghost stories, but we're going to have some comedic ones. There's a lot of dialogue, so maybe we'll have Mrs. Ivan back uh, or have some other guests. Have, but uh, Yeah, have some real audio. <laughs> yeah, and we still have another uh, two episodes planned for these cards. Yep. And we figured doing the comedy episode next balances out this episode. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need it. Like, part of me is just like, all right, well, let's go to battle, bed a little sad and depressed now. Try and cheer ourselves up. <laughs> yeah, like, yep, I'm yep. going to be... Maybe we should have done this earlier in the day. <laughs> Probably. Like, honestly, I know I'm going to be... Maybe I'll go play some Crucible or something. <laughs> I, I know I'm going to be putting something on TV that's, like, very lighthearted. <laughs> go watch some Scrubs. Yeah, we'll watch yeah. an episode of Scrubs there, Mrs. Hyven, before we go to sleep. <laughs> we'll get back on that. Yeah. But yeah, well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, you know, we are definitely growing and adjusting this podcast as we get more comfortable. Um, you know, I was just thinking we might even, you know, we are a specific lore podcast, but I think there are some other uh, aspects we can bring in that have to do with current events. Um, I thought, you know, maybe. Some ideas, if anyone has for us, would be great in comments. You could leave a comment um, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, you know, I had thought maybe a topic or a section that is relevant lore of the week. Um, maybe something that's happening in-game that we could kind of talk about. Uh, for example, this week, uh, if you've played The Dreaming City, you may have noticed an interesting stranger in Mara's throne world. Um, and that had its own little thing. Uh, she was talking to an Emissary of the Nine. So I thought maybe it'd be interesting to see if we add a couple little segments in here, uh, if our episodes aren't too long. Uh, but just <laughs> interested to see what people think about uh, things they would like for us to do, uh, whether it's our length or our format or have more guests, be less stuffy and dry. I don't know, you know. Absolutely. Give us some comments. <laughs> Personally, I feel like you guys are doing better on the stuffy and dry. I'm a long way from that episode one to episode three. Well, episode one, I had fallen asleep on the couch and was like in a kind of a sleep coma waiting for Elemis. I just don't think he he thought I was waiting for him. And yeah, it was, it, yeah. was, it was the first episode. So we've, we've come a little, a little bit yeah. better, I think. Developing well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's feeling more casual mm -hmm. for me now. Yeah. And it definitely helps having you here too, Mrs. Hyven. It gives us a little bit more conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, Hyven and I are familiar talking about with, it. Because uh... Hyven and I talk about it, and it's like, oh yeah, I can see that. I totally agree. And then <laughs> the end like, of yes, the conversation there. Yeah. <laughs> no, and no, I was gonna say, I think it helps that you know, having somebody who's got that chattiness, just trying to make sure I have the perfect amount. You know, not too much, not too little. Make sure I rein it in appropriately. Hey, oh, I'm proud of you. Usually when you're there's uncomfortable silence, you don't ever shut up. So, I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a cool skill I'm to also, have. I don't have that, but yeah, I'm also tired. This one I get loopy and I'm uh I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get too loopy, we'll end it there. Um good. give a shout outs for um new topics. As we said, we have a couple uh two more episodes already planned. Um but we're totally open for our next topic. Hope to hear from everyone. And on that note, 
See ya. Have a good night. Yep, see y'all. Yeah.